0: This is Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio, ESPN Plus, Sirius XM, Channel 80, and on the ESPN app. ESPN Radio is presented to you by Progressive Insurance. We've got a Chris problem again today, Courtney. That intro is such a lie, right? 99 problems, but a Chris ain't one. Today, we've got a Chris problem, but a Chris problem really is no problem because you've got Amber Wilson and Courtney Cronin here. You can tweet to both of us at Amber W Sports, at Courtney R Cronin. You can also always join the conversation. Courtney and I are taking you up until 7 o'clock. Eastern. So give us a call. Triple Eight. Say ESPN 888 729 3776 And there is a ton for us to get to, Courtney, on today's show. Woj has the latest on Donovan Mitchell. Is he going to end up being a New York Nick? We are in the midst of our ESPN NFL Radio Two-A-Days, where we break down two NFL teams for you each and every day. Today, we've got the Raiders and the New England Patriots on the clock. So we will be getting to that a little bit later in the show. And are the Browns going to sign? A backup quarterback for Jacoby Brissett, what does it mean in terms of a Deshaun Watson suspension? But first, we start with SEC Media Days because they kicked off today, Courtney. And we know coming off of Big 12 Media Days last week that, of course, all the talk at these Media Days is going to be conference realignment, which Maybe frustrating a little bit for the SEC, because we are talking about the conference with, you know, the national champion coming off of the season. And oh, by the way, the conference champion runner up uh, in Georgia and Alabama. Plus, we had the war of wards between Nick Saban and Jimbo Fisher when it comes to NIL. So there is more going on at SEC media that days than just conference realignment. But somehow, Courtney, I think that's going to dominate the conversation.
1: Oh, 100 percent. And honestly, they're the ones to blame. They started this thing a year ago, right? With Texas and Oklahoma joining the SEC and we know that Commissioner Greg Sankey in his state of the conference address earlier this morning seemed to kind of hush the notion that the SEC is looking for world dominance in college football and trying to poach other teams and they feel like they're okay with where they're at right now in the state of the conference with 18 teams. But Amber, we know That this is headed towards a super conference college football league, whether it's the Big Ten, the SEC, and then giant question mark there right in the middle. We'll see if another one of the Power Five conferences is able to become the third super conference or if they have to join forces. But this is something that was a big topic of conversation at Big 12 Media Days, and we heard from a lot of the teams who felt scorned. I mean, you heard Mike Gundy last week blaming Oklahoma for leaving and leaving the conference in such dire straits and ruining some of the rivalries, but The SEC is on the other side of this. They're a benefactor of these super conferences being formed. So I'll be very curious to hear from coaches and players that speak this week about how they feel this is going to help the landscape of college football, but certainly very differing opinions from what we heard last week at Big 12 Media Days versus what we are starting to hear coming out of Hoover, Alabama this week. Yeah,
0: some awkwardness coming out of these media days like the Big 12 where you have teams that you know are changing conferences uh, in a couple years uh, and yet they're participating in the current media day landscape. So it's a little strange right now. Very strange relationship inside the Big 12, inside the Pac-12, not so much inside the SEC. Like you mentioned, they feel like they're on top and they're the ones acquiring Texas and Oklahoma. So they did really kick things off, to your point. Kirk Herbstreet, ESPN's college Football analyst. He was on first take. And of course, the subject here in the midst of SEC media days was, in fact, conference realignment. He said, We are headed towards super conferences.
2: The more I listen and the more I'm talking to people, I wouldn't be surprised if we settle ultimately at three power conferences. You know, those teams that are left mm-hmm. out of joining the Big Ten. I don't know what's going to happen with Notre Dame, but just for argument's sake, if they eventually give in and go to the Big Ten, that put the Big Ten at 17. You know the Big Ten's going to go get one more or two more, right? So that'll change things up drastically. But whoever's left when the dust settles, they don't go into the SEC. They don't go into the Big Ten. I think there's a good chance we're going to end up with three power conferences with right around 20 teams
0: I mean, it would make sense, Courtney, if we're headed towards a Big 12, Pac-12 merger Mm -hmm. based on what's happened between those two conferences. I feel like that's what they're starting to evaluate. And then, of course, we know about the movement here with the SEC and the Big Ten. So those two conferences aren't going anywhere. So... Somebody else has to figure out a way to compete with the Big Ten and the SEC. For a moment there, it seemed like we might be going to like a super conference, which would just result (laughs) in like a new NCAA format. But maybe now it looks like kind of a, a trifecta, if you will, where we would get three major conferences, the power three, not the power five, if you will.
1: Yeah, and I do believe that there's the likelihood that... The ACC, the Big 12, and the Pac 12 will try to form something together. Like, they realize that they're probably not as powerful on their own because of their individual brands that they're all struggling to hold on to at this point. Like, let's think about how much of uh, peril the ACC could potentially be in because you've got brands like Miami. Clemson, um, Florida State in there too. Like you can't tell me that the SEC isn't thinking regionally all of those teams would make sense to join the SEC. And I know Greg Sankey said that they're okay for now, but come back in a couple months, come back in a couple years, and maybe they'll add two more to make it 20. Like those teams make sense. And so I think when you look at where the ACC stands right now, it realizes it probably can't stand on its own. Remember, Notre Dame is not part of the ACC for football they're part of the ACC for all other sports but that's a that's an independent right now that's trying to figure out can we survive on our own in spite of everything that's happening in the college football world with realignment and these super conferences being formed between the pack between the SEC and the Big Ten, do they think that they have to join a conference at some point? So that makes things so tricky. I feel like the only way that we see this happen is by an actual um – sort of agreement. I know that we make a joke between what happened last year with the Big Ten and, and the Pac-12 and their alliance that lasted all of, you know, 11 months before Kevin Warren went and poached USC and UCLA from the Pac-10. But the only chance that those three conferences can survive is by consolidating and forming their own super conference to be able to compete and contend with the other two big conferences, which have a ton of power in terms of the brands. It's like the Fox conference and the ESPN conference in terms of TV deals. Like, There's nothing that college football loves more than trying to be the English Premier League light with this promotion and relegation, which seems like it's happening all throughout college football right now. And I feel like that's exactly where we are headed, like Kirk Herbstreet said, with other super conferences being formed, whether it comes from any of those three that we just talked about. Power five becoming power three.
0: It's so complicated because there's so much to this. And namely, as you just alluded to, television rights, yes. right? And and the grant to rights. And that has everything to do with what's happening here. The problem is when you brought up the ACC, for example, their TV deals don't expire until 2036. This That's alignment happened with, right with USC and UCLA leaving the Pac-12 when they did. Well, it was easy because it perfectly aligns with when that deal expires. And so then the Pac-12 is in a position where they're going to have to renegotiate a new television deal anyways now, and it's not going to include, clearly, that L.A. market. But with an ACC that's committed until 2036, things are far more complicated, and the buyouts for these schools... And it's the same thing when even we're talking about Texas and Oklahoma joining the SEC. The reason that we hear the year 2025 is because that's when the television rights deals expire. Now, even at SEC Media Days here, the commissioner was asked about the possibility of Texas and Oklahoma joining joining... joining sooner because of course that's been floated here and he said well that's between the big 12 and those guys and the reason Mm -hmm. he said that is because those schools would owe something like 90 million dollars if they leave before 2025 unless they work out a buyout with their conference as it pertains to those television deals so there's so much to unpack here Courtney and then also the playoff ramifications in terms of and I don't mean who qualifies for the playoffs because that's a whole different conversation when we were talking about playoff expansion don't forget what was proposed for playoff expansion included an automatic bid for your power five winner. So obviously that would be affected if we reduce the amount of conferences that there are. Uh, But also when we're talking about how that money is split up, because right now they're proposing that it's going to be equally split up. And that's been the thing right now with the playoff system that we currently have in place. And with expansion, that was one of the proposals. Well, is the SEC and the Big Ten going to go for that if they are by far the dominant conference bringing in all the revenue and they're the ones Uh, you know making all the money off the playoffs Uh, so there's so much to this but it is about money it's about television deals of course which is the source of that money and when you're talking about texas and oklahoma apparently reportedly responsible for 50 percent of the revenue share in that conference leaving now to the sec this is huge ramifications and it just feels like conference alignment at this point is inevitable this is canty and carlin on espn radio amber wilson and courtney cronin taking you up until seven o'clock eastern filling in for the guys courtney just mentioned the notre dame component of the story as well obviously notre dame independent but would they be in a world of conference realignment if we really do go to super conferences we will unpack that in just a moment but first courtney
1: has a word from vivid seats The 2022 baseball season is in full swing and you can be there to catch all of the action live with Vivid Seats. Get out to the ballpark and experience every home run, every web gem and every walk off and with Vivid Seats rewards you'll start earning free tickets from your very first purchase. Buy 10 tickets get the 11th one free. That's like getting 10% back on every ticket. From the box seats to the bleachers Vivid Seats has you covered with tickets at great prices all summer long. Just visit Vivid seats.com or download the app today vivid seats life happens live
0: so we are in the midst of sec media days they kicked off today so we will be getting all sorts of sound over the next few days uh particularly when it comes to you know nick saban right and jimbo fisher (laughs) everybody wants to hear from those guys i would imagine wait wait yeah, right. Exactly. The fire. I mean, I can't imagine that they're probably going to go back there, are they? I feel like we're I feel like they're going to move on at, at media days, but I'd love They'll to see They'll
1: try it. to shut it down, but They'll it's prob- something yeah, that exactly. they're going to be asked about because I think the allegations that Nick Saban made about Jimbo Fisher buying an entire recruiting class, like th- that created shockwaves across college football, and this is the first time that both gentlemen will have spoken publicly uh, in this sort of forum where it's a press conference-style setup. I mean, SBC Media Days, Amber, for those who have not been there, it is an experience. It turns into a circus. You have fans who come out to this thing. Uh, it used to be held at the Winfrey, I believe, was the hotel at, in Hoover. I, when I used to live in mississippi and cover it every single year like you're covering the 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 event itself and then it's a spectacle because you have a lot of fans particularly those who who travel in from tuscaloosa to catch a glimpse of their lord and savior nick saban like there's the guy who wears the alabama uh ring hat the national championship ring that guy Mm -hmm. shows up every year and he's like a local celebrity so on top of the fact that there's like that side show with SEC Media Days, there's like actual storylines that we care about this year because of NIL, because of conference realignment, because of the Sabin Fisher feud. Like, there's so much going on uh, down in Birmingham Hoover this week, and I'm here for it. Not to mention, again, this is the conference with the national champion. I feel like nobody cares about that. We forget about that because of everything else that's happened uh, to great shockwaves throughout college football this offseason. It
0: really is quite remarkable. But you mentioned earlier in the show that Notre Dame is independent. And if we end up going to a two or three conference system, do you think that Notre Dame can actually remain independent when it comes to football?
1: Not for much longer. I think the thing with Notre Dame is is going to be which crumbles first. The college football playoff, which its contract right now is through 2026. There's not that many more years of it in its current state. Or does the ACC crumble first? So, like, whichever... Whichever happens first, I believe is going to be the tipping point for Notre Dame in not being able to stay independent much longer and having to join one of these conferences, whether it's the SEC or whether it's the Big Ten. To me, it doesn't make sense from a financial perspective. When you think about the TV dollars that are being poured into, which, you know, essentially is the Fox conference and the ESPN conference in terms of TV rights for both Big Ten and the, and the SEC, respectively. I know Notre Dame has its own TV deal with NBC right now, and you know that's a very lucrative contract. But I just don't know with the Big Ten media deal that is, you know, I believe, almost negotiated, almost there. They're still trying to figure out like what they do in terms of the fin- the financial part of USC and UCLA. But that's why when we thought that we were going to get an answer on what that media rights package looked like at Memorial Day, there was kind of this this pause and like, all right, well, what's going on? Well, very clearly, something. like like this was in the works and and is now being pushed through like that's going to be probably a billion dollars worth of revenue that comes into the fold for the Big 10 as a conference i don't think Notre Dame can afford to sit out much longer knowing that being an independent will only get them so far in terms of revenue when we're going to start to see tv deals like we've never Seen before in college sports take place with the new two super conferences.
0: Yeah, I mean this is all quite literally happening because of television deals. Mm-hmm. We don't even care about geography anymore. No, we don't. Fine, uh, the swim team going to have to fly from Los Angeles to New Jersey to compete, and you know, <laughs> on a commercial flight, like nobody cares because college football, and because that is at the core of this, even though, of course, conference realignment extends so far beyond college football, which is why I mentioned the swim team there. There's so many ramifications to this. But then also money and television deals. And that is what is moving all of this and moving these teams from conference to conference. So I don't understand how Notre Dame could stay independent really either, Courtney. Now, I've learned a lot more about these television deals that I ever knew now that we've been having this conference realignment conversation over the course of the last year. And we are we're quite literally talking about billions of dollars yes now as I understand it Notre Dame's contract with NBC that pertains just to college football is about 15 million per year and then they have uh, their contract with as ESPN pertains to ACC for their other mm-hmm. sports at Notre Dame as you mentioned a member of the ACC for other sports but for 15 million a year sounds like a boatload of money doesn't sound like anything compared to some of these <laughs> other numbers that we're watching being thrown around in what could potentially 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 be television deals coming off of power conferences or super conferences or mega conferences, however you want to go ahead and define that. Now the Irish deal with NBC runs through 2025. Mm -hmm. So we don't have much longer in that deal, Courtney. And it's not like the ACC deal where they're locked in until, you know, 2036. They are in the other sports though. Don't forget. And that's what kind of confuses this situation potentially.
1: And the thing with Notre Dame, like we know that just from what's been reported, when all of this stuff started popping off at the end of June, that Notre Dame's athletic budget is not, I'm going to say, in dire straits by any stretch. I mean, they have an incredible endowment. They make a ton of money off of being a national brand. But, like, they have some issues that they have to fix. It's not this endless pot of money that maybe we once thought it was. In leaving the ACC, too, they're going to have to, if the, if that ends up happening, they're going to end up having to pay a pretty sizable fee to Huge. leave the conference, just like what Texas Texas, and, and Oklahoma are doing to leave the Big 12, to go to the SEC. But I do feel like if you join the Big Ten, if you're Notre Dame, the, the conference that has been after you since the the beginning of time, that would fix some of the financial issues that they currently have. Like It's kind of wild when you think about that, knowing that – their TV contract that expires in 2025, it's only $15 million a year. Does that not sound like, when we're hearing some of these numbers of, of how lengthy these deals are mm-hmm. and just the overall size of them, doesn't $15 million sound like chump change for yes. a brand like Notre Dame? Very much so, and and perhaps it is now in this era
0: that we're entering into in college football, so I have a hard time believing they can stay independent, but here was Brian Kelly at SEC Media Days, obviously the former coach of Notre Dame, now the head coach of LSU, lured away by LSU with something called a a little money, Uh, speaking of money, and he was asked about the possibility of Notre Dame ever joining a conference.
2: You know, certainly Notre Dame still is, you know, a, a coveted, you know, uh, university in terms of, you know, what conference would want them. Um, you know, Jack Swarbrick knows what he's doing. He's got his, his ear to the ground. They're, they're going to land into a good position no matter what they do, whether they stay independent or whether they go into the, you know, one of the other conferences. You know, Notre Dame can, can carry itself pretty good.
0: So Brian Kelly having to answer questions about his former team at the, uh, Media days of his current team. But you knew that was coming because, again, the topic of conversation at SEC Media Days is really going to center around conference realignment as it has at all of these conference media days. This is Canty and Carlin, Amber Wilson and Courtney Cronin filling in for the guys, taking you up until 7 o'clock Eastern. Coming up next, a perfect landing spot for Jimmy Garoppolo that gets him as far away from San Francisco as possible. We will get into it. This is Canty and Carlin. This is Canteen Carlin on ESPN Radio, Amber Wilson and Courtney Cronin filling in for the guys. And we have spent the first block of the show talking about college football. Let's talk about some NFL football, though, Courtney, because there was some news coming out of Cleveland, not the Deshaun Watson news yet. We still have no idea what Sue Robinson's ruling is going to be, whether she's going to find that he violated the league's conduct policy, whether she's going to issue some sort of suspension. We are still waiting on that news. But in the midst of waiting on that news, Mary Kay K of the Cleveland Plain Dealer uh, reported that if, in fact, Deshaun Watson is going to be suspended, it appears that the Browns would be interested in signing a backup quarterback. Now, she very specifically said backup quarterback, Courtney, because there's been a lot of conversation. Are they actually going to rock with Jacoby Brissett? Right. Like Brissett's fine for a couple games. But if Watson's suspended for the entire season with how good that Browns team is, a lot of people feel like they'd be just totally wasting their season with Brissett under center. Mm -hmm. But Mary Kay Cabot said they will sign a quarterback. Still going to be Brissett starting is what it sounds like.
1: I think that that's lighting your season on fire effectively. If you end up rolling with Jacoby Brissett, maybe as of right now, they're thinking, use the term backup quarterback to create a quarterback competition in training camp and then have the guy that you bring in that you've signed potentially. Maybe it's somebody you trade for. I don't know. There's one in California right now that's just sitting on a roster when we know what the team's plan is going to be going forward. Um, it, it This is not a situation in Cleveland where the Browns are trying to hedge everything on the success of Jacoby Brissett this season. Yes, I know he started 15 games, or excuse me, 13 career starts, including 15 for the Indianapolis Colts back in 2019 when Andrew Luck just abruptly retired and they got thrown into a spot where they had no choice but to roll with Jacoby Brissett at the 11th hour. Remember, that happened the end of August. Now, training camp starts next week on July 27th for the Cleveland Browns. There's time... On their side where they're trying to figure this thing out and have a system in place so they're able to move forward with the guy that they believe will be their starting quarterback if and when and what we expect a a potential lengthy suspension for Deshaun Watson to be. But... Like, they can't wait much longer, and that's why when I bring up the Jimmy Garoppolo situation with the San Francisco 49ers, to me it's a no-brainer, and it's something that if the team hasn't been making calls and if they haven't been exploring it, that's really their only last, uh, it's their last shot to get it right because there's no other quarterbacks out there that are the caliber of someone like Jimmy Garoppolo who could be a, a very effective stopgap quarterback for you in the event that you're without Deshaun Watson for an entire year or a very long portion of the season.
0: Right, which it feels like that's the direction we're trending. Mm -hmm. Although, again, we frankly have no idea because we have nothing to compare it to with Sue Robinson's record, since this is the first time that she's in this situation as arbitrator of a disciplinary hearing with the NFL. So we still await that news. It does feel like to me that there's got to be a better option than Jacoby Persett. And Jimmy Garoppolo, I agree with you, would be a better option. We have seen him have the success. I know there's questions with Garoppolo, and there's certainly questions with Garoppolo when it comes to. Durability, but, but if you're the Browns, one season, well, that's one the year. If you're the Browns, you don't need to sign up for Jimmy Garoppolo for the next decade. We're talking about Jimmy Garoppolo for one season because we know Deshaun Watson is the future of that team. Now, there's three things that San Francisco obviously can do with Garoppolo: and it's trade him, keep him, or cut him. And if they cut him, they get that 27 million off the books. And I do kind of think that that's what the Seattle's of the world are maybe waiting for because obviously they're not going to also trade him right. There inside the division anyways uh, or Seattle would have to throw way too much uh, sure. to make that trade mm-hmm. worth it at them but I have wondered if that's sort of why there hasn't been much of a market for Garoppolo because people feel like San Francisco's backs are against the wall so why not be patient maybe they'll end up cutting Jimmy because they can't possibly retain him or at least some people think that because if you're really committed to finally moving on to the Trey Lance era then like how long can you continue to rock things here with Garoppolo and then again there's that $27 million cap hit on their books if they do keep him and that's a lot for a backup quarterback trading him being the other option and I've been surprised that that hasn't already gone down but again durability questions with Garoppolo I just don't know what the Browns though would want to give up for that situation, because you're suggesting a trade, right? I don't even think they could uh, bring him in in a cut type situation. I don't know how that works. Not with the Browns' books well, right now. How but if you're talking to... about a trade, what are you giving up for one, a one year rental? And that's probably the problem that the Browns are facing right now. Well, like if you're not sure. going to win the Super Bowl for one year, then you don't want to give
1: up assets. And can Jimmy Garoppolo win you the Super Bowl if he's on the Cleveland Browns? Well, and, and that, to your to your point, like they don't know how long Deshaun Watson is going to be suspended for. If it's like, let's just say here here's the first scenario: if it's six games. Can you get by with Jacoby Brissett for six games, possibly? But if this is eight or even more, potentially the entire season, you have to look at it and say we can't expect that this quarterback—he may catch lightning in a bottle from time to time—but we can't expect this to be a season-long successful, you know, experiment with Jacoby Brissett. Like, and that would, what what I, I think that would really affect what the trade compensation could be. Because remember, back in March when. Kyle Shanahan spoke at the owners' meetings in Florida and talked about the inevitability that he felt Jimmy would probably get traded this offseason. There were the reports that maybe two second-round picks would get the deal done. And you remember here, and this is way before Baker Mayfield and Carolina became a thing, Jimmy Garoppolo was linked to the Panthers, that they might be a team that was willing to give up two second-round picks because they had already given up five picks at that point to form a quarterback room that had Sam Darnold and then, you know, like not that much longer after that, um, you know, the, uh, with, with via the draft, getting... I believe it was Malik, Malik Willett, Willet. Corral, Excuse me. I'm like, think getting my, um, you know, late r- later round, later round up. Yeah, it's <laughs> a lot of draft capitals. <laughs> yes. But it, to the point, like they have to ask themselves, what are we willing to give up if we know this is going to be more than eight games? So when I'm thinking about Garoppolo and the San Francisco 49ers, they don't have to move on from him right now. If you keep, if you look at their quarterback room, you know that takes up thirty five percent of the cap between Garoppolo, Trey Lance, they've also got Nate Sudfeld and Brock Purdy on the roster. Like, Really, that's not that bad in the grand scheme of things because you're not going to be giving him away for free if you can help it. Now, might you ask him to take a pay cut, to stay with the San Francisco 49ers and only under the the, the pretense that he would be your starting quarterback this year? Potentially. I also don't think that the 49ers should be in any sort of rush. Trey Lance, out of all the second-year quarterbacks we're going to be talking a lot about this year, has played the least amount of football I don't think that there's any rush to throw him back into the fire. We saw what he looked like last year in spurts, and there was a lot of hope and a lot of promise from that. But Jimmy Garoppolo got you to the Super Bowl, The first year he was the starter in San Francisco and then takes the team to the NFC Championship last season. I know there's going to be people say, well, he didn't do all of those things. Well, he also didn't mess them up from getting there. So there's that argument about whether Garoppolo should continue to be a starter for the 49ers. But this is the best quarterback option for the Cleveland Browns as it currently stands. They just have to figure out how patient they're willing to be. Do you want to go, Amber, an entire training camp? not knowing who your quarterback's going to be come week one because, yes, they can wait until August 30th, cut-down day, and wait until Garoppolo gets cut and then try to sign him as a free agent from that point out. But you've got about 10 days before the start of the season at that point, and you're asking Jimmy Garoppolo to come in and then all of a sudden like have everything meshed together perfectly for their week one opener against the Carolina Panthers. That's not realistic, so doing something sooner – comes via a trade, it's just how expensive is that price tag going to be? Yeah, I think the problem with retaining Jimmy Garoppolo in San
0: Francisco, frankly, comes down to the development of Trey Lance. I mean, it's been a disaster, I think, in Miami with Tua Tungvaloa, because he always had a vet breathing over his shoulder, and that never worked, uh, toggling quarterbacks back and forth. That's what you would be concerned about, I think, if you're San Francisco. They could also be patient, though, and of course, trade him in season. If a quarterback gets injured, maybe the asking price would sure. go up, Absolutely. and so maybe that is what San Francisco is waiting for, rather than uh, the thought that they actually would retain him there on their roster coming up next jamar chase was left off the madden top 10 and he ain't happy about it we'll tell you why this is canty and carlin on espn radio
2: 10 seconds on the clock how many things can you name that are always growing your relationships your skills your customer base how about businesses on shopify
0: you're not yet married. Maybe you should invite Joelle one day to your wedding because he seems like a very good time and a very fun addition to a wedding. There are videos circulating of him from over the weekend. He attended a wedding of a friend and he danced the horror. And it is honestly the only thing that you need to see this week. If you haven't already seen it, just go ahead and Google Joel and B dancing the horror. I mean, he is... Like a hundred feet taller than everybody else at this (laughs) wedding, which as you would, I mean, as you would at any wedding, right? Like as you would anticipate, unless it was an NBA wedding, I suppose. Um, And he is as much fun as anybody at this wedding, for sure.
1: I mean, there's the video of him bopping around doing the horror, which if you have never done, if you've never been to a Jewish wedding, if you've never been to a bar, bat mitzvah. I encourage you find your way to one of them because this is so much fun. The music goes on and on and on for I feel like the like when I used to go to these things when I was uh, you know a teenager, the horror was like the thing that we looked forward to the most because mm-hmm. it's everybody a part of the wedding party on the floor, jumping around and dancing, and he is like a good two feet taller than the person next to him, as like Amber said, you can you can spot him bopping around the entire floor pretty easily. And then there's another video of him, you know, in the horror where you're, you're in a and usually very strong human beings are hoisting you up and down and he's got someone sitting on his lap. So, Joel Embiid, who's seven foot something, like, and somebody else on top of him, that's got to be a very heavy chair to lift up and down. But these people were, uh, they brought it. They, they did their strength training during the week leading up into the wedding. So, they were able to lift Joel Embiid up and down. And they have an incredible story to tell. Like, I can't imagine what the water cooler like at these people's companies today. Um, getting to talk about, hey, Joel Embiid was at this wedding I was at this past weekend, and we got to dance the horror with him. The cat we are airing it
0: live on ESPN plus where you can watch me and Courtney you can also watch Joelle and B dance the hora and do the chair dance like you mentioned I mean the chair dance is one of the most fun traditions Jewish yes. weddings are so so fun they're so much fun uh, and it's so much fun in part because of these traditions with the chair dance I always get so nervous and I, I think it, I don't am I calling it the right thing with the chair dance I don't even know but everybody knows what we're talking about where they lift the chair up over their heads and they're doing the dance and you're bouncing up and down and I always get nervous but watching Joel B Bede is like unbelievably nerve wracking. And then you said he has a female on his lap, too. She's holding on for dear life. But he looks (laughs) if you look at his face, he looks shocked that they were able to get him in the air. And it is such an impressive feat, honestly, that these people were able
1: to do this. It was absolutely incredible. And um, his face, I'm watching it again. Like he is uh, having the time of his life. You know, good for you, Joel Embiid, spending your off season going to a bunch of fun weddings.
0: That is a pure joy on Joel Embiid's face. So if you haven't seen it, definitely Google it. Joel Embiid, the life of the party. This is Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio. ESPN Radio is presented to you by Progressive Insurance. Amber Wilson, Courtney Cronin, we are filling in for the guys. You can tweet to us at Amber W Sports. That's me at Courtney R Cronin. That's her. So, Courtney, NFL training camp. I'm sure you are gearing up for this thing because, of course, Courtney covers so the Chicago Bills, Bears. Chicago Bills? No. <laughs> the Chicago be Bears. I'd be, I'd maybe a little better, actually. Because, <laughs> oh, cool. uh, anyways, <clears throat> uh, you cover the Chicago Bears uh, mm-hmm. for ESPN's NFL Nation. So you are gearing up for NFL training camp, as is everybody in the NFL. And the vets will make an appearance next week in most camps. Some of the rooks are already showing up this week. But on the horizon of NFL training camp, was the release of the Madden NFL 23 video game, where now we start getting the leaks coming out about that game. And it's a very big deal to NFL players. We already know that, except for Jamar Chase. Apparently he has taken issue with something now that has leaked out about Madden 23. The Bengals wide receiver is not pleased to be left off the game's list of the top 10 receivers in the NFL. He tweeted out, that this is extra motivation for him. He feels snubbed, Courtney Cronin, by Madden.
1: I mean, for him to have the 18th highest Madden rating among wide receivers. He's got an 87. Mm-hmm. It's kind of ridiculous, and it kind of shows you like what these lists. Like I, Honestly, I feel like they're meant to do this to get people to talk about the video game because the release is coming up soon. And if you get somebody who just had an incredible rookie season and make them feel slighted for what their Madden rating is, and you get their entire fan base behind it, and people are like, yeah, forget Madden, whatever. We're still going to go out and buy the video game. Still gonna go out and buy the video games, still gonna go out and um, you know try to try to prove them wrong. I tend to think it's all part of this scheme because we talk about this every single year. There are players who hate their Madden rating or no, my speed should be a ninety-nine because I'm XYZ. Like there's just so much that goes into this stuff that of course truly doesn't matter whatsoever. Jamar Chase, former number five overall pick, took the Bengals to the Super Bowl last year. His contributions were a major reason. And that that offense was so good. Um, this shouldn't matter to him whatsoever. He was the NFL Offensive Rookie of the Year, and wh- whether this is motivation or not, you know, fortunately for NFL players, uh, there's no sort of compensation via their contracts tied to what your Madden rating is. So I think Jamar Chase will, will be just fine. But yeah, it was a little glaring to see where he was on that list. I mean, Tom Brady's gotten snubbed on the Madden rankings, uh, previously too. So at least, at least another goat at his position realizes what that feels like.
0: Well, and Tom Brady tweeted out to make Jamar Chase feel a little bit better. He tweeted out, don't sweat it, man. Madden didn't even put me in the game my second year. So he didn't even make the game at all. Exactly. So, uh, you know, we're talking about the greatest quarterback ever live, right? So, I mean, things turned out okay for that Brady guy. So things will probably turn out okay for Jamar Chase. I just love the fact that these guys care this much about their Madden ratings. Oh, because they claim cute. they don't care about fantasy, right? Like they claim they don't pay attention to anything with fantasy. But for some reason with Madden, and I guess it's just, it's the game generation. Generation That they just care about. I mean, they probably grew up themselves playing Madden, so they care, I guess, about these video game numbers. You mentioned 99 there. Devontae Adams is the receiver rated at a 99 in 2023's Madden. Cooper Cup is next at 98. Tyreek Hill, DeAndre Hopkins, Stefan Diggs, Justin Jefferson, Mike Evans, Terry McLaurin, Keenan Allen, and Amari Cooper are the ones that round out the 90s. So that's the list that Jamar Chase had retweeted and said, I'm going to keep working Mm -hmm. extra motivation. He just barely missed that list. But also, Courtney, I mean, who are you taking off that list? You know, like, I don't have a big problem with this when we're talking about the rating system. Although it feels like if you just think about it and you're not looking at the list, it feels ridiculous that Jamar Chase isn't on the list. But then when you're looking at all the competition and the numbers, mm-hmm. you know, I, I don't know. I'm not doing No, This seems insane
1: to me. They have him ranked. So if you're looking at like what, um, you know, it comes in blocks. So one through 10 and he's in the 11 through 20 category. And that's a list that has Debo Samuel on it. It's got DK Metcalf. It's got DJ Moore. Um, AJ Brown's on there too. Adam Thielen, you know. It's not like the worst company to be kept in. These are all really, really good receivers. And, you know, with that top 10 list, I think it's obviously, you know, a big deal for a lot of guys because to say, like, I'm a top 10 receiver in the NFL. Uh, because it, it translates not just to the Madden rankings, but the overall conversation about who's the best, who's the second best. Are you a top five guy? Are you a top ten guy? Like it's not as cool to be like, oh, I'm a top twenty guy on Madden, uh, right. because we know he's probably not a top twenty guy in real life. That number's probably closer to a top ten, top twelve receiver. It's all semantics. Um, but again, this is g- what are we talking about right now? We're talking about a video game. Because right, training camp's coming around the corner, and Madden knows exactly what they're doing every single year. that They put these video games out this time of year with the rankings, gets everybody talking about it. We've got it talked about all over SportsCenter, all over ESPN Radio. Uh, I think everybody will be just fine. They know exactly what they're doing. Chase
0: finished fourth in the NFL in receiving yards, third in touchdown receptions. So definitely a top 10 player in terms of real life numbers anyways. But Tom Brady was right, by the way. He was not on the Patriots roster on Madden 2002. Uh, As Bledsoe's backups, they had Damon Hoard and Michael Bishop. No Tom Brady. He turned out okay.